0: On today's show, Lane Kiffin talks LSU. Jimbo Fisher talks South Carolina. Nick Saban talks fans storming the field. We'll get you caught up in Around the Conference and a mid-season SEC recruiting update from our friend John Garcia of Sports Illustrated. Locked on SEC starts right now.
1: You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your
0: team every day. And what's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC. It's great to have you guys along. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet BetOnline. BetOnline has got you covered this year with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, it is where the game starts. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. And remember, Locked on SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. Let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference.
1: Boots out to the right. the hand
0: around the conference and some really awful news out of mississippi state on wednesday as they announced that freshman offensive lineman samuel westmoreland passed away he was an 18 year old mississippi native athletic director john cohen said the bulldogs are heartbroken by the sudden loss of westmoreland the statement also noted that the school is working cooperatively with the sheriff's office to determine the facts of the incident Head football coach Mike Leach said Sam was a beloved son, brother, and teammate. Tremendous young man with a limitless future. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey even chimed in and said in a statement, our players today are with everyone at Mississippi State. Even Nick Saban, who's playing Mississippi State this week, uh, commented on it and said, we we're really saddened to hear the passing of one of Mississippi State's players, Sam Westmoreland. Terrible for a young person is not going to be able to enjoy a successful life. The school has not yet released a cause of death as the investigation into the walk-ons untimely passing is still being investigated. But, uh, again, thoughts and prayers to everybody over at Mississippi State. Awful, awful news there. In uh, football news, after being off this past week, uh, Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M, they'll be looking to get back on track. As they head to South Carolina on Saturday night, Jimbo Fish talking on Wednesday with the media said, we just have to keep being consistent in the run game, pass game, get off the field on third down. We did a good job last game of creating turnovers. Hopefully we can keep getting back and playing better. Jimbo even uh, compared, talking about South Carolina's game against Kentucky two weeks ago, said, look, going on the road and getting a big win, uh, there is really tough. Uh, They did a good job of keeping Kentucky down, did a good job in the pass game against them did a great job of being fundamentally sound and not beating themselves. So Saturday's game between the Aggies and Gamecocks will be 7.30 Eastern on the SEC network. On the other side of things, Shane Beamer talking with the media and he said one of the keys for his team is gonna be stopping quarterback Haynes King. He said, look, he's really athletic. He'll sit in the pocket and know he's about to get hit, make some throws still impressed with his toughness. Somebody that continues to get better each week as well. Over at Alabama, Nick Saban preparing for Mississippi State, and uh, he was answering questions about fans storming the field, particularly Jermaine Burton, where there was a viral video caught that uh, Jermaine Burton supposedly striked a female Tennessee fan as the ball fans rushed the field on Saturday in Knoxville. Saban said the team would handle discipline internally, but also mentioned fans rushing the field in the first place presents a very difficult situation for the league. He said we certainly don't condone, it, condone any mistreatment of anybody, whether they should or shouldn't be there. You have to have respect for people, but at the same time, it's a difficult situation for all of us. On a uh, football note, Sabin was asked about Tyler Harrell, the Louisiana or the Louisville uh, transfer who has come in and battled injuries. He said it could become a factor soon for Alabama. Very speedy guy, suffered a foot injury in the preseason, has not played yet this season. Saban said he's been practicing, he was actually available for the last game. There's a possibility he get he's getting to the point where we can start to use him on the field. So Alabama fans looking forward to seeing another weapon utilized in that offense with Bryce Young. Tyler Harrell may be on the field very soon. Over at Mizzou, Eli Drinkwood's preparing for their big game against Vandy, and he updated the injury status of a couple of his wide receivers and Luther Burden and Dominic Lovett. He said both are, quote, ready to roll moving forward. Both receivers suffered injuries against Georgia but have since been recovering, haven't been 100%. They were limited uh, or practicing without limitation now, so sounds like Burden and Lovett will be a full go as they get ready for the big Vanderbilt game this weekend. Over at Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin and company, they are preparing to go down to Baton Rouge or a hostile environment to take on the LSU Tigers. Ole Miss 7-0, ranked number seven in the country. If they want to remain undefeated, though, it is going to be tough going into Death Valley Saturday afternoon. Kiffin, uh, talking with the media this week, said he's been impressed with uh, what he's seen from LSU. He said, this is the most talented opponent by far that we've played yet. Not hard to, uh, I guess, determine that. Go look at Ole Miss' schedule and who they've beaten so far. I would tend to agree that LSU probably going to be the toughest team they have faced. Meanwhile, LSU rolling out the red carpet for their game. Uh, They will have some program greats on hand as guest captains for Saturday's game. They're bringing back legendary running back Kevin Falk, defensive back Eric Reed, quarterback Burt Jones, and running back Dalton Hilliard will all be guest captains. Legendary LSU Tigers coming back to Baton Rouge uh, before the game couple other schools on a bye week this week. Georgia heading into their bye week at 7-0, ranked right, number one in the country. On Wednesday, Kirby Smart updating the health of one of his running backs in Kendall Milton, who got hurt two weeks ago against Auburn, was sidelined against Vandy. Kirby said he's pushed really hard. He's doing everything the team's doing. We're hopeful to get him back very soon. Of course, Georgia will play Florida on October 29th down in Jacksonville on CBS. Meanwhile, over at Auburn, Brian Harson. A lot of people have considered dead man walking. He's trying to work on some things to improve during Auburn's bye week this week. Uh, next week, they will take on Arkansas. And obviously, a lot of fans getting upset uh, with the results on the field. Brian Harson shared this message to fans. He said, look, it's the same thing. We talk about the kind of people we want to have in our program. It all starts there. You have to go find and attract the best people who come in and want to be part of your program. It starts with the guys that are accountable and disciplined, and they're going to handle their business. Guys that believe in what we're doing, that's the key to success in anything you do. There's got to be a belief in what you're doing. So I don't know if that's sending a message that maybe they had some guys who weren't buying into what they were doing, but uh, that's Brian Arson's message here during the bye week. Meanwhile, over at Arkansas, Sam Pittman and company, they're off this week, and like I said, they'll get ready for Auburn next week. But the defensive secondary has not been great. They've had some injuries there. Hudson Clark moved to safety uh, and Sam Pittman says he's got to be flexible. He said, to be honest with you, I think he's going to have to play both uh, outs, you know, both safety and corner throughout the remainder of the season. He said, I think he can, but he has to be available to play both of those spots. So we'll see what happens there. And lastly, over at Florida, Billy Napier and company uh, licking their wounds after their loss to LSU. But uh, Gatorade has apparently reached uh, an NIL deal with Anthony Richardson company and makes the uh, sports drink was developed by a team of scientists at florida as part of the deal anthony richardson is promoting the sec game day challenge in partnership with gatorade so congrats to anthony richardson on getting an nil deal there thank you guys again for making locked on sec your first listen every day coming up next we're going to talk all things sec recruiting with our buddy john garcia jr of sports illustrated that is coming your way next but first, I want to remind you guys about our friends over at Sweat Block. We told you about Sweat Block last football season, and to me, it is a must. Uh, they've got the deodorant that you can put on. They've got the wipes. They've got all different products. And I encourage you to go check them out at sweatblock.com. It, to me, if you're going to a tailgate and you're a sweater and you're somebody like me who usually brings a change of shirts, Sweat Block can help solve those problems for you. Sweat Block was created by a doctor to help with his own excessive sweating and his doctor-created, doctor-recommended. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, Try SweatBlock. You can save 20% with the promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. Of course, it's available on Amazon as well. Look, it's starting to get cooler, so maybe you're starting to have some of those situations solved. But, look, you don't want to be the guy wearing the sweatshirt or the heavy sweater or jacket and still sweating under your arms. SweatBlock can help take care of those problems as well. Again, go check out our friends at sweatblock.com. Make sure you use a promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and get 20% off, and also check them out over at at Amazon. Rolling along here, Locked On SEC, and we talk a lot with this guy in the offseason when, you know, obviously all the recruiting uh, trips and visits and commitments were all heating up in the summer, but we haven't talked to him yet since the season started. So we got to talk about some of the in-season visits and things that are going on. And he is our buddy John Garcia from Sports Illustrated talking all things recruiting. And, of course, he's presented by LinkedIn Jobs. John, uh, are you enjoying this season so far? We're kind of halfway through now. Uh, are you enjoying where the college football season is so far?
1: Oh, my gosh, Chris, how could you not be, right? I mean, you've, you've got a great combination of you know historic programs doing what they typically do, and obviously some programs that look like they're on the way back. Uh so I, I think that's been a beautiful combination this year. Uh and and some of these weekends, we've just we've just had non-stop, like you can't even go to the bathroom type Saturdays in college football. And that's that's the beauty of the sport. Um obviously the drama last weekend alone is enough for its own 30 for 30. Uh, but really all season, we've we've seen a ton of upsets and some surprises along the way. Um, so it's it's just another beautiful season of college football. And you start to, you know, look at the numbers and say, dang man, it's already it's already halfway home, and, and it, it kind of—it's it, amazing and enjoying uh, and joyful because you've seen it, but you're also starting to miss it because you're realizing it's starting to wind down. We're going to get into
0: some specifics in a little bit based on your your latest recruiting rankings and where a lot of the SEC teams are. But I want to start here—the big monumental win for Tennessee. You mentioned you know programs feeling like they're back. You know they get the big win over Alabama. Finally, they slay that dragon. I know uh, Tennessee folks were very excited. They had a lot of big name recruits in the house. What does a win like that do for, you know, you cover recruiting for a long time. Does it, you know, are there kids in the house that day that are going to see that win and say, oh, I got to go to Tennessee? Or is it just kind of more, you know, when you do these in-season visits, is it more just that kid to kind of see the campus, enjoy a big game and all that? But a lot of times these visits don't necessarily, in other words, the kid's mind is already made up at this point. One big performance win or lose isn't going to sway their decision in season, right?
1: Yeah, I think in a lot of cases, Chris, that latter point is is absolutely spot on. Um, but when when it has this kind of buildup and and intensity, right? College game day, fifteen years, just at the Tennessee itself, um, and and then the game is that dramatic on top of it. When it, when when it's in Alabama, you beat or or Georgia is going to be that next school we talk about. When you beat them, it it hits different. It feels different for recruits because now. It is a tangible example of the vision of these newer, younger coaching staffs, right? So last year, I mean, you think Texas A&M took advantage of of that Bama win? Absolutely. Uh, Number one recruiting class. Not saying Tennessee's going to get there, but this is now tangible proof, hey, this vision, this style is going to work for a long time in the sec and and look at the dragon, like you said, we just slayed on, on that path. Uh, I think that does say a lot and it creates benefit of the doubt for those recruits who are still, still searching, right? Like you said, a lot of them know, Hey, this is where I'm going. And that's kind of it. But when, when it's something that gets you over the hump like this, so LSU's title a couple years ago, you know, these big individual wins, it's just a different sell because now it's not so much, this is what we're going to do. It's, more of, hey, look at w- what we just did, and we think you can help us continue to, to ascend to a certain point. So it, it does create more benefit of the doubt from the recruit to that coaching staff and and, and those individual coaches relative to, to their vision and their goals with, with a certain prospect. So it does create some movement, uh, especially, again, when the stars align atmospherically and you know with the drama like it did on, on Saturday night.
0: Give us a little behind the scenes. What is it like for recruits and their families when they go to, you know, in-season, doesn't have to be a big game. Sometimes you bring the recruits to, you know, the, the non-conference game just to get it. their visit in and get it out the way. But what is it like for the recruits and the parents? And how tough is it for the coaching staff to balance, man, we've been game playing all week. I got a game to go out and win. But, hey, hey how you doing, Miss Smith? Hey, yeah, hope Johnny comes to play for us. I mean, it, it is a crazy <laughs> yeah. ordeal, right?
1: Oh, it's, it's an unbelievable masterclass in time management, right? I mean, especially think about these um, 11 a.m. central time kicks. You know, the, the, there is some real-time management skill going down. But for most games, yeah, it's it's a very brief window from coach to prospect. But from, from the prospect themselves, they'll, they'll arrive on campus a few hours before kick, maybe participate in, you know, the Vol Walk or, or whatever pregame, you know, tradition goes down, relative to the school, they'll get a meal, maybe throw on some gear, uh, courtesy of the support staff, because all the coaches are busy, like you said, game planning, finding out who's available, hey, who's injured, what what are we doing in this package, et cetera. Um, And then, depending on the priority level of the recruit, and this is a really important part of in-season visits, you really find out how high on the board you are, because the more time you get with position coaches, and especially coordinators and the head coach, you feel like you're a priority especially if it's before the game. If it's after a big win like like Tennessee Bama, I mean look, hype was probably talking to recruits till early Sunday morning, right? Cuz why not? Let's take advantage. And let's remind these kids of, of what we want to build kind of deal. But in most cases, you either take an L uh, during the game day, or there's just so many recruits that you just don't have time to to get to them. Um, And and you could spend more time after the game. But before the game, those are truly the the special recruits that are high on the board. Oftentimes, it's on the field, maybe in the coach's office, but it's never for a very long time. Again, this is for an unofficial visit. And then the game happens. You might get to go in the locker room and, and hang out afterwards, and that's kind of it. But for official visits, you do get that extended period right you were in town Friday night you're staying overnight on Saturday and then Sunday there's typically a breakfast event you know Alabama does you know breakfast at Nick Saban's house every Sunday for the official visitors a lot of coaches follow that mold now you get the intimate time with the coaching staff during an official visit because now it's Sunday morning it's, it's food it's church it's review and it's recruiting uh, so it's a bit of a different situation so if you're on an unofficial visit getting time with a coach you're probably a pretty big deal to that program.
0: It's very interesting. I think our, our listeners, I mean, look, I, I've been on the field. I've been around the recruits. Everybody's got the little name tags. I mean, it, it's, yep. I can't imagine being able to wrangle all that in and keep all that on track. You know, some guy, you know, the recruiting coordinator, a lot of places, is also the special teams coordinator or the running backs coach, and he's got a whole job to do that day. So it is crazy keeping track on it. Hold that thought right there. More with John Garcia in just a second as we'll get into some of his recruiting rankings and where all the SEC schools uh, rank uh, in his latest rankings. And just, a second, but I want to remind you folks about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting throughout the season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. As always, BetOnline, your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way for you to check in on all your favorite games and events. Of course, uh, all the college football action happening throughout the weekend. They got you there with all the lines on all the games. Head on over to BetOnLine.net. You can do so on your mobile device and learn more about it. It is BetOnLine and it is where the game starts. Continue on here, Locked on SEC, and continue our conversation with our buddy John Garcia from Sports Illustrated, appearing on behalf of LinkedIn Jobs. Get the applicants you need for free. Head on over to linkedin.com slash College. And John, uh, let me just start here before we get to your actual rankings. Who's been picking up a little momentum here, at least these first couple weeks into the season? Who is really starting to make some moves and some headway when we talk about SEC coaches uh, and recruiting?
1: Yeah, like we said, Chris, uh, a lot of these kids had already made decisions, right? That that August window of, I want to commit before the season begins is is really popular. It always has been, and this year was no exception. But a few coaches have been able to pick up some big time commitments since the season began. You know, I think Georgia, in, in terms of most recently, in the twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four class. Uh, have really you know solidified both groups Uh, they picked up a position player maybe their biggest need position at wide receiver tyler williams from lakeland high school in florida big physical george pickens body style maybe not attitude and physicality but body style um uh, on the outside six foot three six foot four basketball background boundary type wide receiver something they really don't have on the roster right now so i thought that was a really big get for kirby smart and company they just landed a couple 2024 recruits as well including a quarterback who i think is going to be the centerpiece of of that class that's going to have a chance shocking to be the number one class in the country come next year Um, I thought Florida did a really nice job in season Uh, they've been able to lock down a lot of in-state recruits particularly at again big positions of need wide receiver the defensive line and the secondary most recently, Billy Napier's group has really begun uh, to, to create a lot of volume at those positions. They just reeled in a couple of DB commitments uh, over the last week or so. Bryce Thornton from from up in Atlanta over Alabama, nice safety, instinctual, quick uh, type of prospect, not overwhelmingly physical, but gets the job done kind of guy, high floor player. Um, and then a big physical corner from Tampa, DeJuan Johnson, a former Ohio State commitment uh, who was really a hotly contested prospect. When he decommitted from the Buckeyes, uh, I believe in July, Miami, Georgia, Alabama were all involved to a certain extent, but really Florida ran away with this recruitment uh, once uh, he opened things up. So they've done a really good job. I think LSU is putting together a really nice class. Tennessee, we just talked about, they're in the top 10 and they've kind of upped their stock for a couple of uncommitted recruits. So we'll see how that goes uh, here towards the end of the recruiting cycle. But but as usual, uh, a lot to like about uh, SEC recruiting classes. Yeah, you mentioned Florida there, and I did see they, they had a, a
0: kid brother of Trent Whittemore, Creed Whittemore, uh, decommitted from Florida and committed to Mississippi State. It's crazy when that happens because you think always like brother, like you know family member, but sometimes kids just want to go create their own thing, so sometimes stuff like that happens uh, in the middle of the season. But uh, you, you mentioned, you know, a lot of the legwork has been done on this 2023 class, and Come, you know, December, a lot of these uh, coaches are going to really start working once the season winds down and getting those pen to pad and, and getting all those kids in. But I, I just want to start, I know Alabama has been number one in your rankings for a long time. Um, and you kind of said, look, that they, they, they had a big month in September and they've really kind of separated themselves. It's it, hard to envision Alabama not finishing with the number one class at this point, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's, look, there's a, a lot of big time recruits still out there. Um, two of the top three recruits in the nation are uncommitted defenders from Florida that are really considering a, a bunch of SEC schools. Carmine McLean, the DB, Keon Keeley, the pass rusher. But yeah, I think Bama's built uh, just as, as big and balanced a class as there is in the country. They've got the most SI99 recruits on board, I think they're up to nine uh, at this point. So almost ten percent of the best prospects in the country are headed to one school. Um, you know, Georgia's right there in in the top five uh, as well. And and we'll see if if somebody surges up, right? Does Tennessee start to boom now? Uh, maybe Florida can capitalize and win some of those in-state battles with. with those two guys still on the board but I think in terms of number one it's going to be tough Uh, Notre Dame had a shot I think early but they've lost some big-time recruits including Keeley uh, who we just talked about uh, relative to their start of the season and some some visit policies that Marcus Freeman has going on so interesting there Uh, and then at different points I thought Texas had an opportunity to maybe finish number one they had that huge Arch Manning wave of momentum in the summer. But since that point, a Oklahoma in that region have started to buckle down and, and pull some talent away from Austin over the last few months. I thought that hurt their case. So really, um, unless there's a huge surprise or a rash of decommitments going forward, I think Alabama's got a great shot to finish with that top class in the country. And they've still got targets out there, right? Top DBs, pass rushers, um, as well as as some skill guys on offense. So as long as, again, there's not a huge change, going to be tough to, to catch Bama this cycle. But look, at this point last year, we were just starting to talk about Texas A&M. So, there's there's a lot that can change in recruiting in, in short order, of
0: course. Speaking of them, that the, I think a is such an interesting case because you know there's been so much heat on on Jimbo with living up to expectations. You go get the number one recruiting class. We know NIL has played a big factor in all this, but right now for the 2023 class, I only got about half the the capacity filled so far. They're, they're still top 20 in a lot of the different rankings, but is this a case where they're going to come hard and start to get a lot of names in December and then, you know, of course, the, the the second signing day as well? Or should we maybe accept this recruiting class just, it may not be what he just had a year ago?
1: Well, yeah, there's almost no way it's going to be what it was a year ago. I think both from a volume perspective, as you just laid out, and from a star power perspective. I mean, last year, Texas A&M went into Florida and Tennessee and Georgia and Alabama and pulled out some of the top prospects in those states. This year, much more of a conventional, still very good Texas A&M class, right? Heavy Texas presence going into Louisiana for some top talent, um, and and then some sprinkle additions thereafter. But yeah, the volume, they I don't think they've got the room uh, to add uh, more than 20, 25 prospects in this class. Uh, so I think they'll be closer to 20 when all is said and done. Still, uh, again, like a lot of these schools have a lot in front of them, but from a volume perspective, yeah, I don't see a, a path uh, towards signing 25 recruits and challenging for the number one class, but look, it'll still be ranked in the top 25. It'll be closer. I would say at the end, to, to 10, then 20, where, where they sit right now. Um, but look, this was a slow build for Jimbo Fisher and company. They um, they lost their quarterback commitment. Uh, things were really stagnant in the offseason for Texas A&M. Uh, so they're just now starting to pick up momentum towards the end of the summer into into the early season. And, and look, when kids get to Kyle Field, it's a big deal, right? It always ups their, their recruiting potential. Uh, so I do think we'll see a little bit of that come November and, and especially December.
0: Yeah, and it starts to become a little bit of a numbers game, too. If you bring in all these big recruits from a year ago and you don't lose anybody and you don't graduate a bunch of guys, it's kind of hard to keep refilling and getting all those big names because who's going to play? I mean, you got to get stacked right. to five-star. You know, Alabama seems the only be the only one that can handle that on, co- on a consistent basis. Um, I'm just going to hit you with a couple of quick hitters here. Mizzou kind of down in the rankings right now. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz did a fantastic job last year in bringing in Luther Burden. I want to ask you from this angle. I've watched Luther Burden and very electric player when he gets the ball – They've, just, they've had trouble getting him the ball consistently this year. It feels like you know, throwing him the ball, they've got him in on some run plays, but hasn't been that huge wow factor week in and week out yet. I'm just curious, is that something that maybe recruits look at and say, well, that was the number one receiver in the country, and he goes to Mizzou, and yeah. they're not utilizing him well? Or you know, is there other conversations there about that? Hey, you landed the big recruit, but you're not really using him well.
1: I think the ebb and flow of of burden is is certainly a good uh, lead into just the overall offensive uh, up and downness of of Missouri. You know, you expect under Eli Drinkwoods, you expect that program to at a minimum contend and put up points. Uh, and that really hasn't happened uh, to the degree that certainly they expect this year. So I think with programs that are like that that always feel like they're on the bubble, They've got to at least be what we think they're going to be. And, and I think if, if we see that as adults, that perception shifts down to the high school coaches, the seven-on-seven seven coaches, the parents, the mentors, and eventually, the prospects themselves Uh, so there is a bit of a offensively in particular there is a bit of a a, a desire for more from Missouri Um, and I think there's you know depending on how the rest of the season goes there could be some more stability question marks uh, with that coaching staff which is always uh, a big deterrent in in the recruiting scene so yeah there's there's a couple in-state recruits that have already made their decisions and they're not going to Missouri so that Luther Burden um, white whale isn't necessarily out there for Missouri in in this cycle either, so I just think it's it's one of those uh, stars aligning negatively uh, kind of situations for the Tigers at this point. Um, but again, uh, still a long way to go uh, before signing day. That's a program that you expect to uh, maybe double down on junior college, the portal, and and maybe you know even some some sleepers or senior risers, uh, given what they've put on tape this fall, uh, come December, and, and especially in the February signing period.
0: I'd be remiss, John, if I didn't touch on Auburn. Uh, what a curious case there are with Brian Harson, All the talk that he's on the hot seat and he'll be out. And a report just came out that you know they're not going to make any moves until they hire the new athletic director. Well, kind of writing on the wall. The new athletic director is probably going to move on. They got, I think, eleven commitments right now. Eight of them are four stars. They're good recruits, but it feels like if you're a recruit out there. How do you give Aub- Auburn a pledge right now when you got the coach kind of in flux? It's almost like if you're going to pick Auburn, pick it because you like the school, the tradition, the history and all that. But what are you hearing out there when it comes to a school like Auburn where it feels like, it, you know, one foot in, one foot out on Brian Harson right now?
1: That's the great hesitation, right? Very easy to see. Tangible. You can almost feel it. And, and look, they've gotten a few commitments since September began. But like you said, they're all semi-local or kids who just really freaking love Auburn when they go there. Even their most recent commit, Clay Wedden, from from down in my neck of the woods in Tampa, he said, look, this isn't even about a certain coach or coaching staff. It's just when I come here, I feel something different. So he decommits from Michigan State after his last Auburn visit, and he ends up uh, making that verbal commitment to the Tigers because of that. So I I think there's going to be some staying power on this commitment list, they've recruited regionally very well. A lot of kids from Alabama, Georgia, down in Florida. They've dipped into Louisiana as well. That's that's kind of their base anyway. So I think the, the new staff, if and when that does happen, is going to have an opportunity to retain some of, of these recruits that are on board. And like you said, not a lot of volume, but some really good players on board, including two SI99 recruits. I mean, the pass rusher, Ashley Williams, can play anywhere in the country. He's from Zachary, Louisiana, and, and I love the running back, Jeremiah Cobb. Who's a local kid, Montgomery, uh, Montgomery Catholic running back? You know, you have an opportunity to keep prospects like that because of of how well Auburn has recruited regionally relative to some of these other schools. Um, and I actually look back at at the Gus on to Brian Harson transition. I think there are only five or six decommits in that cycle. So, again, Auburn's one of those programs because of how they recruit and and where they recruit that you've got some ability to potentially retain some of these guys. But obviously, you know, every case is unique in and of itself, and last year's craziness in the carousel taught us that everyone can decommit at some point. So, yeah, Auburn is is a very interesting case, and I think that's why you're going to see a bit of a, a stunted growth from a volume perspective, uh, at least until some changes are made in the next, you know, six to eight weeks.
0: He is John Garcia, Jr. from Sports Illustrated, keeping up with all things recruiting. John, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks, man, as we get closer to this early signing period, see if there's any big surprises, any big names coming. We know there will be. Thanks so much for the time, man, and we'll do it again real soon. Always a pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. All right. That again, John Garcia. Give him a follow at John Garcia underscore junior on Twitter. Keep up to date on all things recruiting. That is going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. Thank you guys again for making us your first listen every day. Now you can go make your second listen. Check out some of our other great podcasts along the Locked On podcast. Now we're covering your team every day and before we go I want to remind you these segments always presented by linkedin jobs these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you've got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You add your job in the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. It'll help spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster go post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply that's it for today's show we'll talk to you guys tomorrow right here on locked on sec